Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Oh, I always brag about sunshiny days. It's a cloudy day today. We're going to get some uh, rain a little bit later on today. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that, especially since we get like uh, eight inches a year here in St. George. I think we can take a little bit of rain. That's no problem. I'm Andy Griffin. Welcome to the program, the Andy Griffin Show, here every morning at 9 o'clock. Today, I've got a couple of different guests coming in right in right now in studio with me is Michael Branham. Hi, Michael. How are you today? Good morning. Fantastic on this cloudy St. George morning. The Red Rocks still look good. <laughs> they do look good, don't they? In fact, I have one of the best views in the business right here, looking out at the Red Rocks. But uh, Michael is an attorney. His uh, He works for uh, Galleon and & Welker and & Associates, and uh, one of his specialties is making sure our veterans get taken care of, and that is... Uh, Michael, a little more complicated than the way I just stated it, isn't it? it? It really is. I was thinking on the drive in here this morning, you know, five years ago, I I spent most of my adult life running into burning buildings and riding around the back of ambulances. I went to law school late in life. But uh, five years ago, I wasn't doing veterans disability law. And my only exposure had been through my uh, my ex-wife. And I just knew that she had gotten flat feet in boot camp, and she got a check every month. And that was kind of what I knew about mm. veterans' disability yeah. benefits. And I thought, well, you know, if she got flat feet walking around in, in boot camp and then got a check for the rest of her life, how difficult can this disability benefit be? Right, right, yeah, be? piece of cake, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> it, it's just so easy. And my goodness, uh, the last five years have been quite a, an education on just how uh, overly complex and unnecessarily complicated the process yeah. really is for our veterans. Now, you were on this program. How long ago has it been? It, it's been right at a couple of years, I couple think. It's been a while. Ago. Yeah. And one of the topics we were talking about then was uh, it's so weird how the government can decide things. Uh, you know, uh, you, you were talking about the location of a ship uh, in rel- relative uh, location to Vietnam on whether or not the people on the ship would get benefits for. Uh, d- and to me, it's like really a few hundred feet really make a difference on whether or not this guy gets taken care of. It's crazy. Yeah, the last time I was in, the uh, the Congress had just passed the, the Blue Water Navy bill and extended the what they call presumptive benefits. So if mm-hmm. you were there, we presume that if you have certain problems, they're obviously associated with your, your military service. Right. And uh, they just passed the Blue Water Navy bill, which finally recognized that, hey, if you're on a ship that was in the bay where all the rivers that were polluted with Agent Orange flowed into, you probably were exposed to Agent Orange, just like the guys that were on the riverboats. But right. it took what, a quarter century or more? I mean, how long have our guys been home from yeah. Vietnam? It took forever for them to realize this fact. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but they did get taken care of eventually. Most of them have been Most taken of care of. Um, you know, obviously, if the veterans have moved and the VA no longer has contact information for them, there are probably veterans out there that if they applied for benefits many, many years ago and have not recontacted the VA since since that time and they've mm-hmm. moved several times, you know, they may be entitled to benefits. So certainly if uh, if you served in Vietnam, it, it'd be worth checking with the VA to see, especially if you were one of those Blue Water Navy vets. We, it, it's kind of weird. I remember as a kid uh, looking at World War II veterans, and they were relatively young. You know, I'm talking about in the 70s. 
uh, these guys would have been, you know, if say you were 22 years old in, in 1945, add 30 years to that, you're in your 50s. That's not very old uh, for a veteran who saw the horrors of war. And then you throw in Korea, of course, in the early 50s, and then you throw in Vietnam in the late 60s and early 70s. And and uh, we have a lot of veterans. And I don't want—I don't mean to leave out Desert Storm guys and guys in in recent years that have gone to Afghanistan, Iraq, or other places like that. But uh, there's a lot of veterans and guys that were—I don't know if they realized it, Michael, when they signed up. But uh, guys that eventually said, "Yeah, I'll give my life or my health for this country." That's that's a pretty big deal. And I don't know that those of us who haven't served realize how big a deal that is i absolutely and uh you know i think that's one of the things that drives those of us that do this type of work in the in the legal field is mm-hmm. that you know we deal with these veterans on a daily basis and uh you know uh one of the veterans i i'm sure he'll probably mention himself by name if he calls in but one he's of the veterans, here he's on the line already. <laughs> one, yeah. one of the veterans i worked with you know had had, had a condition that he knew was service connected and he Mm -hmm. had been fighting for years and years and years and beating his head against the VA and uh, just been told no repeatedly. And uh, the thing that we see is it, it really, I've, I've worked with some, some really great people in the VA, but as a, as an organization, you just get this sense that their whole goal is to hope that veterans will either die or quit and they won't have Mm -hmm. to pay them. And, uh, it it can be very frustrating, but when you get to the end of a case and and you are able to call up a veteran and say, hey, check your bank account here in the next couple of days, there's going to be a check in there. And oh, That's by the awesome. way, yeah, they they finally recognize that this this actually was connected to your service. Those, those are the good days. So I I'm glad you said it out loud because I think sometimes we're a little afraid to say things like that. We see it on a sitcom or something and think, ah, that's funny. But 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 the truth of the matter is there are organizations out there, and I, maybe maybe VA is one of them that their goal is to not get you money. Their goal is to not pay you out. Their goal is to not have to take care of you. It, that's what it feels like, and it's not written down anywhere that way. But that's what it feels like, Michael. Well, their, their systems are set up so that the the raiders that look at these claims, uh, I think first of all they probably have a, a quota for a certain number they have to get done a day. So I hate that they, word. <laughs> they they already you know are in a rush to get these things processed because the VA has a backlog. I've got veterans that have been waiting two years for a hearing, mm-hmm. and uh, so. They they don't want that backlog down at the the local level. So at the local level, they're just churning them as fast as they can. And if these guys and gals that are doing the ratings approve somebody that should not have been approved and they have to go back and take the the rating away from the veteran, it's a big deal and they get in a lot of trouble. And you do that a couple of times, you get fired. Right. Nobody looks at who gets denied that should have been awarded. It doesn't matter. So mm. they can sit there all day long and stamp. Well, there's no physical stamp anymore, but they can deny, 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 deny every day. And, you know, half of them may be valid claims, but there's no mechanism for punishing, you know, punishing these so, raiders. So there, there's a, the system is set up to reward them for just doing as much Same denial though. work as yeah. they can. The the air on the side of caution does not apply here. The air is on the side of don't don't let them have anything, and I'm not going to get in trouble. That's tough. No, and I mean you know, hey, they've got a budget. I realize that, but it it seems like they 
the organization as a whole, again, not any particular individual, but the organization as a whole seems to have lost sight of this mission of making sure that our disabled veterans are taken care of. We have another uh, attorney uh, on uh, on Fridays. They come on every other Friday. They come on and they talk about how insurance companies, they love to give out pain and suffering checks right up front. Because if you'll sign a thing and take your $1,200 or whatever it is, they don't ever have to listen to you again. They don't have to worry about anything. And it almost sounds a little bit like that. Let's get you taken care of or, or just give you a little bit of money up front or just get, get rid of you early on. And if you sign a thing, we're done with you. That's it. It's over. Well, most veterans have been exposed to loud noises at some point in their right, career. And if sure. they have a little bit of ringing in their ears, it's a uh, it's a subjective thing. You can't really test veterans for whether or not they have ringing in their ears because we have don't have that technology yet. I'm sure Elon Musk is working on it. Yeah. But <laughs> as of right now, <laughs> we can't tell if you really have ringing in your ears or not because we can't listen in on your thoughts. And so a lot of veterans are walking around out there with 10% for tinnitus and mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the medical term for ringing in the ears. Mm-hmm. And they'll give them this 10% thinking, ah, we're going to give them a check, and they'll get a check every month, and maybe they'll shut up about their back pain and their, ah. their heart problems and everything else, and they'll go away because they won. You know, they got their 10%. Yeah. And they, they're probably entitled to 50 or 70% for all the other conditions they have. But wow. um, veterans, you know, they, they take the win and <laughs> for what it is a lot of times and, and walk away because it's been so hard to get there. Yeah, I was going to say, they probably feel like if I got anything, I, I'm I'm lucky. So let's get one of those veterans on the line with us. Seth, I knew you would call right away. It was your idea to have Michael back on the program, and I appreciate it. What's up, Seth? Two years ago, I had the great fortune of listening to Andy Griffith's show, and Michael showed up, and I said, I've been struggling with this uh, situation for 60 years. Wow. And what they would do is exactly what Michael detailed, deny, deny, deny. I'm going to say something that people are going to object to, which is my normal method of operation. Yeah. The VA is a corporation for profit. Hmm. And what is not being spent goes into somebody's pocket Uh, and like all insurance agents or insurance companies their uh their objective is to deny now if i see somebody with a veteran's hat on i usually go up and talk to them about tinnitus and hearing loss which i have in profound proportions because using hearing protection in 1960 was considered a sign of weakness. Yes, it was. Yep. And if you put something in your ear, like a cigarette butt or a cotton ball, the, the, the drill sergeant would yell at you, uh, which is coincidental, and, and say, you can't hear my battle command. What are you, a pansy? Yes. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, so I didn't, I, I had put something in my ear and, and he let me know that I wasn't going to be doing that around him. Wow. So, um, I was, ha- I happened to be, uh, up in, um, taking a vacation and a veteran service officer walked up to me and he said, I see you're limping. I see you can't hear. I see that you've got ringing in your ears, and my wife is agreeing with every word. (laughs) And so he didn't talk to me. He talked to her. 
and said, you know, this could be $300, $400 a month in disability. This, this man is disabled. Uh, so I came back to St. George. I went through the job service to a VSO, veteran service officer, and got the 20%, uh, about $300 or so, within days, within weeks of filing because it was a piece of cake. But what about the severe other things that happened that they continue to deny? And, and what they basically said is that, Seth, you're a liar, and you're mm. and we can't prove it, the, uh, what happened. Everybody's dead. There are no witnesses. You didn't go to the dispensary. You didn't file any claims. Therefore, it didn't happen. Yeah. Been there, Seth. Now, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Now, there are... Uh, they've been denied, the veterans have been denied uh, medical benefits, which is a different stack of money for going to the VA for medical treatment. But people do not understand that there's a separate, and no matter what the disability is that you would be retreating for, it comes out of a different pocket. And so if you don't, they're not going to tell you. In my particular case, they had made the diagnosis years before and put it in a file that I wasn't allowed to read. Wow. Okay? So it's fraudulent. It's, it's, uh, we're not going to tell the veteran that we've determined there's other things going on. Had it not been for Michael... His organization, uh, he deals, uh, he has uh, advanced people that he calls on in Las Vegas, and he hired professional psychologists and other people to go forensically and read a file with thousands of pages in it and extract out those things, uh, uh, send in a letter, send in a report, that was so compelling, but even after uh, the report was filed, they denied it for another year. Really? Wow. Okay, and so if it had not been for Michael and the good doctors who who uh, did this on my behalf, um, uh, to this day I would continue to be angry because they denied that anything ever happened and a lot of the things I was doing was top secret. Wow. Well, I, I'm sure glad that Michael was go, was able to go to bat for you, Seth. Well, uh, and Michael's my hero. Uh, he <laughs> needs to grow a little more hair, and, and you know, and and because uh, uh, the reflection when you're around him is, you know, dazzling. Well, it's cloudy today, so it's not too bad. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> in any and. Uh, the people, and I want to, in all possible ways, almost every veteran is available for tinnitus and, in my case, massive um, hearing loss bilaterally. And, and if you don't say the right word, they deny it. Hmm. Hmm. So if there's a veteran listening, I can almost assure that there is in place as much as 20% plus anything else that you might have forgotten or that uh, is plaguing you today because of exposure to chemical nuke, biological weapons, uh, uh, physical uh, 
damaged knees, backs, all kinds yeah. of things. And that if you don't talk to people like Michael, if you don't do something, they they just put that money in somebody's pocket in the form of a bonus. And, an, and a little stamp. Fake, fake stamp maybe now, but a, a little stamp that says denied. Michael, pretty good, uh, pretty good endorsement of, of what you do there by, by Seth. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to do this for, hey, go get money. I'm trying to do this because there are veterans, like I said a little while ago, who signed on that they would give their life, their health, everything they have to help protect our country and even though maybe you didn't get shot in the shoulder or you know or or break a leg in a foxhole you still deserve some money for some of the stuff that happened to you sure absolutely i mean there are plenty of different ways that you may have been injured in your service some of them uh, are hidden scars and some of them are obvious scars Mm -hmm. Um, some maybe uh, a lot of the veterans that served in uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan theaters came back mm-hmm. after being exposed to those burn pits and things over there. And mm. uh, I think that uh, there are times when the military does things and they just uh, they don't find out until afterwards that they were doing something that was hurting their veterans. Yeah, There have certainly been times over the years when they've done things with the full knowledge they were hurting our veterans and they did it because they felt there was a greater good. Um, with the burn pits, I think that it was just expediency. They had a lot of stuff that they had to get rid of, and uh, they probably felt like the potential health hazards of letting this stuff linger and some of the vermin and disease and things like that that it might attract. It's better just to burn it, and they didn't really, I think, uh, take the thought process too far into what exactly are we putting into the air. And, of course, they did a poor job of tracking what they were burning, and so now we're stuck in a place where we really have no idea what our veterans were exposed to, but we we do know, and fortunately Congress has at least started to uh, recognize this a quarter century faster than we did with our Vietnam vets, that uh, we, we've got to spend some money and find out what's going on with these vets and hopefully get them some help. And like you said, it's not necessarily just about getting a paycheck for these guys, it's getting them some help and fixing what's going on with yeah. them. Yeah, oh yeah. Stopping denying that we, you know, we exposed them to things that are hurting them, so... Well, and, and beyond the physical things, the, the mental aspect of it, um, I have a nephew who uh, was in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he was involved in some things. He, I mean, he was actually in a, a Humvee that was it was hit by, a, you know, one of their IUDs, I guess they're called, uh, improvised, ex- I, whatever they are. Anyway, IED. IED, that's the word. Yeah, I, I knew that was in there somewhere. Anyway, uh, and um, he was not. Generally speaking, not physically harmed. He had some hearing loss and stuff, but generally speaking, not physically harmed, but mentally. I mean, the guy next to him is was gone. He, the guy next to him died, uh, and he was inches away from dying himself. And and those kind of things is are there benefits now? Is the government starting to recognize the mental side of things, Michael? Well, they have for a very long time. I won't go into some of the terminology, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things forever and ever got lumped under PTSD. and right. um, P- One word covers it all, or one, one acronym covers yeah, it po- all. Yeah, post-traumatic stress disorder. But the, the problem with the VA with calling something PTSD is that that triggers them to look at a very specific sheet of paper with very specific check marks mm-hmm. on it and, and requires you to have uh, you know a, a, a specific traumatic event, and it has to be described in a certain way. And uh, what we found is that 
you know, we don't care about the label. You know, sometimes the veterans do. <laughs> sometimes we have a hard time convincing our veterans, look, for, lose the label and let's get you some benefits okay. so, so that you can, can live your life. Um, so a lot of times now we'll look at depression and anxiety and we'll look at the actual symptoms the veteran's having and then we'll get those linked to their military service. And this, we just don't call it PTSD. We can say, look, the veteran is depressed and has anxiety, and they have that because of their service. It, was, it started in the service. It's much easier for us if they actually went to see somebody while they were on duty yeah. and complained of these, of these uh, conditions that they didn't have uh, prior to joining the military. Um, so, But, yeah, the, there's a big mental aspect of it. And not every person reacts to these things the same way. I mean, And that's um, the key right there. That's the thing I was going to say as you were talking about the label PTSD. Every single person is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, even you go back to World War II, those guys saw some, you know, the, the horrors of war. Some of them came home and, and reintegrated into life, and they were 99% fine. Uh, others, it was 75%. Others, it was, others never did get, you know, reintegrated back into life. Vietnam is a good example of that. And, and so I, I think for, for them to take a label and say, okay, here's a label. And do you have these eight things? If you do, then, okay, you're, you're available for a benefit and a counselor. If you don't, sorry. I mean, that, that's just not fair to, to lump them all together like that, Michael. Yeah, and there are far too many of our Vietnam veterans living under the D Street Bridge over in Las Vegas and, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. homeless and self-medicating because they just, no one has recognized the uh, the trauma that, that they endured and that they sure. just came home and, and never quite figured out how to get that stuff out of their head. You know, For- Forrest Gump is a silly movie, a lot of silly things about it, you know, meeting the president, telling him about your getting shot in the butt or whatever, but uh, I thought the Lieutenant Dan character was a, a great example of, of helping everyday people maybe understand what what happened. Uh, yeah, he lost his legs, but but the his destiny was to die, and he didn't die, and he was angry about that, plus all the trauma of what had happened and everything. I, I think it, it was a good illustration to everyday folks that, you know, there, there are no non-casualties in war. At, at the very least, you're affected emotionally. Absolutely. So... Uh, okay, we, we're running out of time. Uh, just real quick, again, uh, this is Michael Branham with Galleon Welker and Associates, and one of his specialties, one of the uh, one of the things he's really good at, is making sure veterans uh, with disabilities get the benefits that they deserve. Michael, what's the best recourse for a veteran right now? Is it still go to the VA, or is it is it call you, or is it file some paper? What what do we do? Well, there are, our our specialty is working with veterans who've already been denied. Now, if a veteran okay. comes into my office and has not filed a claim, we will ask absolutely help them file an initial claim. But mm-hmm. um, there are representatives at the VFW. The state has representatives, the DAV. There are lots of organizations. There's a veteran's center here in town. Um, if they're already receiving uh, care at the uh, veteran's outpatient clinic, they can certainly get information there. But um, if they have previously filed a claim and been denied, um, you know, come talk to us. If you have never filed a claim before, any of the the dedicated folks in town that help people with initial veterans claims, they should uh, should put a claim in if they feel like they have any kind of disability that they believe is is linked back to their military service. Yeah, 
and that comes being sick or tinnitus or, or hearing loss or whatever it might be. Yeah, and, and like you were talking Maybe. about PTSD and how different people are affected, certainly mm-hmm. if uh, I just I can't, uh, I think, leave your program without saying if you're having mental issues, if you're, if you're drinking more than you should, if you're angrier than you should be, mm-hmm. uh, substance abuse, suicidal thoughts, talk to somebody. Um, I have uh, friends who served who... Uh, tell me that getting treatment for their PTSD, they took forever to do it. Some of them are Marines, and they're a little little more hard-headed than your average individual. Right. But um, there are people out there that have been through the same kind of things and can uh, can talk to veterans with PTSD or that have suffered those uh, traumas of war and, uh, and help them through it. And we care about those folks. We also care about, uh, you talked about your previous life as a, as a first responder. We care about those folks, too. I know that uh, sadly, the uh, the rate of suicide for a first responder is something like five times a normal uh, human being, maybe even more, ten times. And and so, uh, again, I don't. I mean, that's not Michael's specialty, but certainly something that we want. You know, we think that you need help with, and and we would love to help you. The uh, highest demographic of suicide in our country is uh, males age forty to forty nine. Uh, it's not teenagers. It's not transgender, you know, people who aren't allowed to compete in sports. It's males 40 to 49. And so uh, definitely something we care about here on the show. Michael, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me, it's, sir. It's been a pleasure. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Welcome back. Thanks again to Michael Branham for being on the show and talking about veterans benefits and how a lot of veterans are, you know, they've been denied until they give up or they've been given a little check saying, ah, you go away. And he wants to make sure that uh, these veterans get taken care of. I don't, I don't blame him. I think it's a great service he's uh, providing. Uh, I have Tim Anderson now, who is also an attorney. Uh, it's lawyer day, I guess, on the Annie Griffin show, huh, Tim? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. I have a friend who's an attorney, and uh, he told me once, he says, you know, Andy, uh, truth is relative. I'm like, what do you mean? He's, he said, well, whoever has the most money is the one that sets what truth is. I'm like, I don't know that I like that, Darren. I wouldn't agree with that either. No. <laughs> no, we anyway. often find ourselves fighting for causes and for the little guy and folks that don't have the and I love power that. and resources. Yeah. And that might be sort of what we're talking about today. Yeah. It's the people against, you know, it's sort of the, oh, political elite, you might say. Yeah, yeah, the the big guns. Now, uh, obviously, this has been an issue for several years now, the Dixie name, uh, Dixie State. Well, first the hospital, private industry, they changed their name. Uh, Dixie State University has decided to go with Utah Tech University, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so it feels like, Tim, just on the surface that every battle that we've tried to fight to keep the Dixie name, we've lost – can you give us a new spin on that before we start talking about politics a little bit? Well, I think the energy is there to protect the culture, history, heritage, and, and, and you know, tradition of the area. But, you know, since this sort of Brad Last, Brad Wilson sort of artificial capture mm-hmm. of the state legislature happened, and uh, it was engineered through, with, through the leadership of the university and higher education, then a very small group has had the ability to resolve a very large issue that's yeah. been painful, difficult, and disparaged our community. And the way they went about it is just as bad as the issue itself. So, yeah, it's still very much alive mm-hmm. and in the minds and hearts of the folks, and we got an election coming up. 
And, and that's kind of why Tim is here. We wanted to talk about what the Dixie name issue is having uh, when it, uh, what kind of effect it's having when it comes to the election. Now, there was a, a local politician, and I, I won't use his name for now, but uh, who wanted to be a delegate in, in a recent caucus. And, and uh, when asked about the Dixie name issue, uh, he stood his ground. As, uh, I, was okay, I was good with the, the university changing its name. And he ended up, I think, based almost solely on that, uh, not winning and not becoming a delegate. Uh, Tim, I know you can shed more light on this. I really kind of butchered a little bit. But basically the idea, it seems like to me now, is if you're going to come out as a person who is against, who's okay with changing the name Dixie, it's almost political suicide, it seems like. Yeah, you know, you know try to offend your community. Try to offend your yeah. constituents. <laughs> not, a, not a bright idea, but it's this whole thing. Also, those are the folks that don't want to do the caucus system. They try to circumvent it through this Ooh. gathering of names. Because if you look at the who's running, just about everybody that's running for the state house, county commission, and, and, and different positions like that, they're in support of keeping the name. Mm-hmm. They're offended by the name having been removed. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and a possible restoration of the name, if, if that's possible. But there are a couple that somehow still are trying to promote this idea that uh, removing the name was a good idea. And obviously that's troublesome to the voters. Interestingly enough, those are ones that have gathered signatures so they didn't have to really – they won't have to perform well at the local county convention hmm. so they can get around the fact that uh, the local – that the populace, the general public, the voters don't like what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's uh – it's frustrating. It's funny. I actually just now glanced at the door, and right on the door it says News Radio 890 KDXU. And somebody asked me once, are you guys going to change your call letters on your radio station? I'm like, why would we do that? And they're like, well, DX, KDX, it's kind of Dixie, isn't it? And I'm like, it is, uh, and I'm pretty proud of that, as a matter of fact. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. It just sort of continues to kick the, the ball down the hill. Yeah. And then history, we try to avoid those things. We, we do have a culture here. We do stand proud for who we are and what we believe. Right. And it's not racist. It's the two big lies that somehow Dixie, St. George, this area is racist, which was perpetuated by the university when they started, you know, they go out and show pictures of what it was like here 60, 70 years ago and say, now what do you think about it now? Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm now, offended by this blackface picture or, yeah. from 1960. <laughs> or, or they say, uh, our students aren't getting jobs when they graduate, yet they've put out pamphlets that right now, and still do, that say 95% of all students are, get, get, have jobs or in the military or in graduate school within six, six months after graduation. Hmm. Well, so we're, we're the equivalent of Harvard in, in placing students. So what is it? And that somehow the name by branding is a problem. Those are the lies that they've perpetuated that are problematical. But there's a few candidates in the middle of this that just got to come forward. And, and uh, for example, you know, Christy Pike. Now, she's running, uh, I think it's district, or the 72. Um, anyway, she's uh, running against uh, uh, Neil Walters, probably the one that will win there because he's, he's with us. He's certainly for restoring the name and respecting yeah. the, 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 the name the community. She's the wife of the former mayor. Now, John Pike, I think, was a great mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he had some challenges when COVID came along and they started shutting down businesses. And then when the, uh, George Floyd happened, there seemed to be a lot of social signal. Everybody out trying to social right. signal as much as they could, you know, to try to. And, and, and these were problems. 
Uh, and then there's Nia Barnes. She's running in District 73. She's from Cedar City. She re- recently moved. Her, by the way, her husband is a very fine judge. And, um, but she was on the Board of Higher Education. Uh-oh. She voted to cancel the Dixie name. Oh, and yet she's here trying to run. And so it's sort of like these people that, you know, they got friends in the sort of the political elites. They want to stay in the game. They want to be invited to the parties and be a part of that movement. And they'll do anything to stay there. Hmm. Even forget about the people that vote for them. It's almost like a let them eat cake type view yeah. of our community. And we don't appreciate that. Hmm. You should go to the caucuses. You should win at the convention if you think you can win. But uh, again, they'll do what they can. To them, the voters are just sort of a unnecessary or sort of a necessary irritant because they want to be a part of that political elite. We, we, we've had in recent times in this show a lot of talk about the Dixie spirit. Uh, and and unashamedly, I've talked about the Dixie spirit and how being a good neighbor is really important to us here in southern Utah. And in fact, we have we have Tim an unprecedented number of people moving here from out of the area, out of the state, even a little bit to the west. And, and uh, I think I, I've had a new neighbor that didn't have any inkling what Dixie spirit was or being a good neighbor was. And and uh, so for me, it's. It's an interesting little progression because we have all the, I, I think they said 10% of, we've had a 10% increase in population in the last year and a half or whatever it is. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't get it, don't understand what the Dixie spirit is. And I, I think as I look back at the college, they're they're trying to cater to the new people instead of explaining what Dixie Spirit really means. It, to me, that's the bottom line. We've got all these new people. They don't understand it. Instead of trying to explain it to them, well, let's just change it. Well, if they would just capitalize on it, they'd have the best asset that they could have with, yeah. in terms of being inviting folks to be here and be a part of what the university is. Right. And again, we want the university to do well under any name. I mean, the, the name they're selecting is just a generic name. It's just yeah. about as, 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 as basic as it can get. But... We would like to see the university to do well, but it would do better if it has a story. But they take away the story. Mm-hmm. And so it's very meaningless. There's no no Utah yeah, you, you can You can move to lots of places in America and have their own very cool stories about their community and their history and their heritage. Yeah. You want to keep that. You don't move here and take it away. Yeah. So And so that's why you know we have good candidates. Right. Willie Billings is a strong candidate in his, over in the Hurricane Air, replacing Brad Last. Mm-hmm. Neil Walter to, you know, to replace... Uh, Lowry Snow. And so, so those that were, were naysayers on the Dixie issue are gone. Uh, those that are trying to propose, propose it still are going to have a real challenge. But there are some great candidates coming along that, that are, you know, making the effort. And, you know, there's Colin Jack uh, and uh, Travis Segmiller still in, in, in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we, 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 the thing about DSUHC, we wanted to see lots of people participate, and that's what's happening. That's what I, there are a lot of folks at the, at the meetings, the caucus meetings, that hadn't attended before. Right. We think we're a little bit responsible for that. But whether the pe- people believe in our view or not, we're pleased that they're running, even the ones we disagree with, even the ones that are, from, that are opposed to the Dixie Clause. At least they're running, yeah. and you've got to give people credit for that. Yeah, but point. there is a, this is really going to be a vote on the future, uh, on the view of our community, our culture, our heritage. So there's a lot at stake, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. All right, we're going to get a commercial break in more with Tim Anderson after this. We're talking politics. We're talking the Dixie name. Stay with us. Thanks again to Joe Shoney for sponsoring the program today. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant. His specialty 
Mountain take, taking care of you, customer service. You go online to experience.com. Phenomenal. 619 reviews. He has a 4.91 out of five-star average. That's really, really good, folks. Uh, latest uh, reviews from Cheryl and Nancy, five stars. Uh, Rose, another five. In fact, you go like pages down, down, down. They're all five stars. Every once in a while, you'll hit a four, and that's the 4.91 instead of five. But it's incredible. It's Joe Shoney, a loan consultant. Interest rates are going up. Now is the time to get that the refi done or the buy that house you've been looking at call joe shoney today at 435-590-6300 joe shoney is nmls uh, 14104 uh, let me try again 121041 i got it i do all right uh, let's get back to the program i'm with tim anderson today defending let's see if i can remember how to say it right tim defending southwestern utah heritage coalition is that That's it right i got it all right. Just a loose, loose group, though. Not really. It's just a lot of people. I'm just a member of it, along with many others. Trying, trying to keep the idea alive that we have Dixie Spirit here in Southern Utah. We'll talk about what that is in a second. But uh, I was telling you during the break, uh, watching the NCAA tournament, and uh, unfortunately yesterday, a 15 seed St. Peter's got knocked out. But uh, yeah, I was were, pulling for them. <laughs> yeah, we, I think most of America was pulling right. for the 15 seed. But you, you know, they start talking about what is St. Peter's, where are they from, what's their story. And it kind of made me happy and sad because I thought if, if Utah Tech, which is going to be in, in what, three months, uh, three and a half months, uh, uh, ever gets to that point, they're going to say, well, Utah Tech used to be Dixie State. And then they'll tell a little bit about the Dixie spirit and stuff like that. But in three years, in five years, in nine years, 10, 15 years, that will be gone. There won't be Utah Tech used to be. It's just going to be, here's Utah Tech University. It's kind of sad in that way, Tim. Well, yeah, it is. It just, it's, it's deceptive in a way, culturally deceptive, because that's not who we are. This isn't Utah Tech. This yeah. is Utah's Dixie. Yeah. And so it's sort of an imposition. You know, it kind, of, it kind of originates through what I would view. And I, and I got lots of friends in northern Utah in higher education. I served on the board of Tri-State University of Utah for eight years. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the folks. Yeah. I've helped organize probably some of these things. Was probably naively involved in some of them at some point. But I will tell you that there's sort of like East Bench myopia. They have a, a view of, of Utah's Dixie different than we do. Yeah, They like to come here to recreate, but they sometimes don't share the culture or heritage or even understand it. Oh. But and so, they, and so they get a few folks that are politicians down here and leaders in higher education to jump in on the issue. But the fact is it doesn't go away. It's not going away. It will be shown in this upcoming election, and it will continue on. The, these things are deep. They run deep. And so I think it's, it's important to, to talk about it because they want it to go away. They want to say, yeah. well, it's over. Well, well whether, whether it can be restored or not soon, it's not over in the minds of the voters or the, or the community. Do you think there will come a point in three years, five years, seven years, whatever, that, that it will be kind of over? Or do you think we can keep it alive? Well, it depends on what kind of damage is continuing to be afflicted. Mm-hmm. What happens when they go after... Dixie High School. What happens mm. if they go after the statues of families and stuff on the Dixie College, Dixie State University campus because somehow family is offensive to yeah. the liberal movements good, good that, that seem to have the higher, the upper hand in higher education right now? So we'll see where it goes. Or what if they go after the statue of Robert Covington, which they've threatened to do? Mm-hmm. And so this is just one part of this issue, one battle. But there's a, a lot more of a struggle to deal with. And, and in fact, 
it, it, the direction is, is reverting anyway. Lots have changed since the George Floyd thing when people out social signaling everywhere they could. Yeah. And when the Dixie College, or when the name change started, Washington and Lee University has brought Lee back to Washington and Lee. They're not tearing down statues all over the place at the rate they were before. And so, you know, again, the university leadership and the state higher ed is sort of after the fact. They did their social signaling when it was hot, and this is the outfall of it, and they've offended our community. Well, hopefully, hopefully, like you said, the tide has turned and we're not, uh, we're not, like you said, tearing down statues and changing every little thing in the world. Uh, we, the, the county commission got together and renamed the old, old highway out there. They called it Old Dixie Highway. Uh, there were some folks that were not happy about that. What do you think? Well, you got to give Gil Almquist credit for yeah. being creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that it's a great move because that's what it was. And, and that just reflects back on, on this sort of, uh, sort of the inside ball of our community heritage. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what helps us keep the story. Keep the story. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Hey, thanks for calling in. You're on with Annie with Tim Anderson. What's up? Hey. Hey. Uh, I'm calling about this brown guy that you had on a half hour ago. About the, the lawyer? Yeah, who is he? Where is he? You didn't give a phone number. Michael Branham, he was with Galleon and Welker. We're talking VA benefits. Right. He's with who? Galleon and Welker and Associates. Yeah, it's kind of a little side gig he does in trying to help veterans get the benefits that they deserve. Yeah, well, I can talk to that anytime you want because everything he said is absolutely true. And everything that man just said on the just now, I just barely caught the very end of it about those you know, people from the east bench of Salt Lake City yeah. bullying people down here. You know, it's time to get over this, you know, Black Lives Matter bull- bullying stuff because they will not stop unless people stand up and say, no, we've had enough. Yeah, because you- that's just that's just the communist way the communists do things is they push and they push and they take and they take until they can't and then they back off. I, I like the word you use there, bullying. Yeah, that that's kind of, isn't that what happened, Tim, with the yeah. changing the university? Well, we were bullied into it? Very much so. You know, you, you look at the, if you look at who's donating to, to Pike and to Barnes, there's a lot of donors from northern Utah. And we we're bullied hmm. into it by people who didn't even have a dog in the fight. Yeah. But it was a name they didn't like. And so it was it was forced upon us. So he's right. But, you know, also in higher ed, they use the term, in, you know, they use the term equity instead of equality these days. Uh-huh. Equity is a term for redistribution of wealth through a social system. Equality is what we try to reach through the 14th Amendment and trying to have everybody have a fair shot. Big difference in the way it's being taught and yeah. represented. And that's one of the problems with the movements that are behind these northern, northern Utah candidates that are here in southern Utah. By the way, and, and, and I believe Naya Barnes is largely from Cedar City, and, but has moved here recently, as I understand the um, the uh, university up north now, Utah Valley University, used to be Utah Tech, didn't it? It did. That Utah was, Technical College. I've been the 80s. It's the 1980s. Utah yeah. Tech. That was thrown out. I remember. But you could go there to get a very good degree in, in, you know, in different types of yeah. trades. Yeah. Now we've got Utah Tech. Is there I, – I hate to even ask the question, Tim, but i got to ask it. Is it going to be Utah Tech, and is that ever going to change? 
I, I think we'll reach a point where there will be a lot more controversy and effort to change because it's just it's so generic it's not going to fly. This is mm. not Virginia Tech. This is not Georgia Tech. And they no. try to trade on that with these major research institutions and say, oh, the names are similar, so we must be similar. Yeah. That's, that's a joke. It, it's not a research university. University of Utah, Utah State are research universities. Dixie and SUU and Weber and others, they are not. And so mm. they may be a place with a lot of grants, but there's not, these aren't places where research dollars flow from the major, uh, from the government and other groups like that, that, that you can be a research university. It'd be nice if we could. This is a, an off-year politics-wise, you know, no presidential election, not even, well, I'm not going to say not any big ones, but not as many big uh, elections as you might want. But there's definitely some things to keep an eye on, Tim. Maybe one more time if you can go over some of those that we need to keep a close eye on and, and, and understand that Dixie does matter when the election comes around. Well, you know, I, I understand. I, I think that uh, certainly, you know, I find that Neil Walter, for example, he, he's very capable. He understands government finance really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, Willie Billings is willing to take on the Brad last spot and finally put a, a – we have to have a strong local contingent. Yeah. We can't have any that are outside of, of the pro-Dixie group and be successful in restoring the name or even getting respect for Utah's Dixie in the future. Um, and so – and we can't have those that somehow think that the – in this next election, Utah is going to go blue, which I thought I heard Nina Barnes say, which oh, I have no idea if that's true. But if so, you know, she hasn't seen the ball since the kickoff. But <laughs> but I just think that that uh, and then there you know there are others that are running that uh, you've got uh, uh, Joe Ellison in the Willie Billings race. Uh, also, we've got uh, Colin Jack, uh, Travis Wilkinson, uh, Travis Segmiller, um, and. Let's see, there's, uh, I think Walt Brooks is, is uh, I don't see that he has anybody against him. But uh, then you've got, uh, uh, there's also Quinn Denning, who's a strong constitutionalist. And you've got Dee Sadler, that's a savvy, interesting fellow. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is that all of these people, except for the two that I've talked about, are very much in support of the Dixie name. They understand and, what the Dixie is. And they understand is. what's behind it. Yeah. And I think it's lost in some of these candidates that are sort of uh, just very much supportive of the Northern Utah movement against our community. He's Tim Anderson. Tim, thanks for coming on on short notice and talking about the upcoming election. Let's, let's keep the Dixie spirit alive, shall we? That's what we need to do. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, folks, for listening today. Tomorrow, Marianne Hamilton is going to join me. She is a, uh, well, she's won won a beauty contest. She's a fitness guru. And she's going to advise us a little bit on keeping our marriage, well, a good one. We'll talk to you then.